Hello and welcome to the Eurovision Division podcast, the podcast where we listen to all 39 songs in this year's Eurovision Song Contest before this year's Eurovision Song Contest. As always, I'm your host, Jeroen. And as always, I am your co-host, Mira. I've listened to all of these songs multiple times. I'm listening to them all for the very first time. You threw me off. I forgot that part, but I like. I thought, let's add it in. Oh my god. <laughs> Last episode, Last and we episode. still keep stumbling over the intro. Last three. Yes. Last, Last three, three songs. songs of this year's contest. And then you'll have heard all of them. Now, you're already quite familiar with, with the rest of these songs. So I've these been are going to be fresh. Yeah, I've been doing a couple of no-skip runs of the playlist <laughs> to really familiarize yeah, not, myself. Not the, not the any percent speed run. You're doing the 100% uh, Eurovision 100%. run. If yeah. I'm doing any percent speed run of the playlist, then it's just overspoiling. <laughs> <laughs> it's just overspoiling. It's yeah. just overspoiling and then 5,000 times in a row. Oh, you're playing the, the Denmark minigame. Yeah, I recently... Because I always just hit shuffle on the playlist. Mm-hmm. And I did shuffle on the playlist, and the first song was Ovis Pohinenda. And after it ended, <laughs> I had stopped. to hit I had to hit shuffle again to start from the beginning because <laughs> I was like, oh no, that's not gonna come up anymore. Now that's not yeah. gonna come up anymore. Now it's not worth listening <laughs> to. It's a little treat that's gonna come up. Uh, like a little candy Various treat. mysterious points. Of course, the... then the first song that came up was Voices. So I was like, well... I'm... Could you hear them? Could you hear the million voices? I could hear one voice straining very hard to hit the notes. It's. I realized that. I think my biggest problem with it is the key that it's in and the fact that it then does a key change at the end still. I think if it like did the key change to the original key, that would work. But at the oh, end, like break it down lower so that he can actually like just make the, the entire song lower so that the final key is the key that it starts yeah. in because it's a fine, competently written like song, nothing special, right? But like the ooh, I struggle because it's so high pitched at the end there that I. You hey, lose me. Hey, save it for the recap episode. Exactly. Because um, we're doing the final three songs now, but we don't want it to end there. No, we we, we are we still have a few days left before the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, so once we go through all of these, um, I think we'll go. have a, I think we'll have a closer look at all of these, and we might put them in order for you, and you might surprise me with your uh, my final ranking, your rankings, and your your big uh, new fresh interesting takes on on some of these yeah i think i'll go on another no skip run after this i think i think it's gonna be uh i think it's gonna be you leading the conversation for that one then yeah Uh, as opposed to um me giving you things that you don't know yet it's gonna be the other way around it's gonna be me baby but speaking of things (laughs) speaking of things you have not heard yet and don't have an opinion on yet though we have three new songs the three final songs of this year's eurovision song contest Uh, as you know the theme for these is follow the tour guide so you've had this mystery for the entire time what follow the tour guide might mean do you have an idea do you think like, what could I have meant by that? Because you know me very well. See, I I had an idea of what this one was going to be, and I've been proven wrong, because when you hear follow the tour guide, you think, oh, it's going to be France. It's going to be Israel. It's going to be 
you know, any of these countries that are very proud of, of their country and of the landmarks. Yeah. I mean, I say country. In the case of Israel, I mean occupying forces. They mostly mean Tel Aviv is the part that they're proud of. That's what they want to show us. The rest of it, it's like, don't pay attention. Don't pay attention Don't pay to attention this. to the man behind the, the, the curtain. Just don't, don't, don't worry about it. Uh, is what they would say. But we are worried about it. We are it. very worried about it. But uh, do, do you, I, I mean, I hate to ask it, but I have to do it every year. Do you know which countries oh, no. are still on the table? No, I don't. You ask me this every year. And every year I fully embarrass myself. But I think this year I've I've really gotten into all the songs. So I'm not going to say Cyprus. I know I, every year I say Cyprus because Cyprus? I, yeah. every, every Malta, year I forget yes, we've you done know Cyprus. Which those are. I know we've done Cyprus because that's El Diablo. I know we've done Malta. Um, we've done San Marino. Oh, shit. And I will tell you, there's only 39 countries in this year's Eurovision Song Contest, which is a lower amount of, of entries than there have been in a while. So uh, as you know, several countries have not uh, are not participating this year. Um, what haven't we done? Well, you've got you've got a lot to pick from, but I wouldn't I wouldn't fault you for getting them wrong. We've done Spain. Yeah, yeah. We've done. Have we done Estonia? Yeah, yes, that was uh, the lucky would... one. Oh, creep. Latvia. We haven't done Latvia. We have the queen. <laughs> the queen of the night is is coming. That was Samantha Tina with uh, the blood moon is rising. <laughs> let me let me uh, take you out of your misery. Have we done Liechtenstein? <laughs> we haven't done Liechtenstein. Uh, and they have not done Eurovision. Montenegro, is that still a country? Montenegro is still a country, yeah. They are not participating. Okay. Um, so, a good guess, but, uh, like, they they uh, they announced last year that they wouldn't be participating because, uh, I, and I don't know how much of this is a joke and how much of this is real, but they announced that they were buying new cars, so they had spent all their budget on that, and so that they couldn't participate what? in Eurovision. That's sort of the joke, is, like, Montenegro chose cars over Eurovision, which, you know, you've got to respect the, the, the hustle, I guess. I do not respect buying cars as we have covered previously on this podcast don't respect cars well okay let's let's go for this uh, this first song uh then uh because that ties in a little bit the theme of follow the tour guide means the following all of these music videos were shot in a museum Ooh, I like that. Uh, I like museums, unless they're car museums. <laughs> Although I do suppose that that's the only place that a car should be. In a museum? In because a museum they should be artifacts are... of a bygone era? Exactly. Couldn't get shit on social media <laughs> for my hard anti-car stance. Our first museum is the Neon Museum in Warsaw. Have we not done Poland? This is we haven't done Poland! Poland. Oh my god! They have a neon museum. Yeah, uh, and we're we're about to see. That sounds uh, rad as shit. Yeah, we're about to see what that looks like. Um, they have selected Rafal to represent them, uh, and Rafal Brzezowski is is basically is a local celebrity. Um, more specifically, he's best known as like a, a TV personality for the state broadcaster. Like, imagine if if Belgium sent Niels de Stolzbaldi. But like Ooh. five years from now, you know, like a guy who hosts 
Wheel of Fortune is who this the is. Guy who started out as a like a musical artist, but was but then like got co opted as a TV host. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he also stuff about it is good at TV hosting though. He's he's fun. Um, but like yeah, he he specifically hosted the Polish Wheel of Fortune, and perhaps more interestingly, the talent show uh, Szansa na Success. Which was used to select the Polish representative for Eurovision last year, and was used to represent uh, to select the uh, the representatives for Poland at the Junior Eurovision Song Contest, which they won twice in a row. Uh, now he gets to go and now himself. He gets to go himself. I genuinely love that. So that's really fun. Um, yeah, his connection to Eurovision is there. A few years ago, he participated in the national selection. Uh, and then in 2019, he was on the Polish jury for the contest. Uh, and then in 2020, hosted the Junior Eurovision Song Contest. So he's he's already, like, in, in the Eurovision mindset, which is great. For Poland, it's Rafal and The Ride. Oh, God, he's taking us for a ride, baby! So baby, hold on for the ride of your life. Okay. I feel like I've I I watch a lot of YouTube videos like on my phone, so I don't have an ad block. So I see a lot of people like trying to sell me their get rich quick schemes. I, my favorite one is like this dude like riding around in a Tesla and Ew. like yeah with, with <laughs> Ew. looking at the camera with his sunglasses on like this dude and being like it's not hard to um, start up your own online marketing agency. Um, like this Dutch dude, and I hate him so much. It does. It it does raise the question of what do his eyes look like? I'm not sure if this dude actually was wearing sunglasses in the ad. I, I'm just you know putting them sunglasses on there. are a vibe. You know, I think this guy, this Rafal person, thinks Elon Musk is cool. Ooh, oh, I would hope not. That's my vibe I get from him. The song is like, it's fun, it's funky. I think this is Lemon Demon plagiarism. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm fully listening to this song thinking, I've heard this exact song before. I think it might be Man-Made Object by Lemon Demon. But th I would be very surprised because that is I don't think any of like the top producers are listening to Lemon Demon. I mean, sometimes something like that happens accidentally, right? Like you copy a melody or you or you create a similar melody. In order for it to be plagiarism, it has to be like it legally it, it is only plagiarism if it literally copies this much of it and and the exact notes. And it's like yeah. it's a very specific kind of process. So these things can happen. And yeah, like Lemon Demon is not. A, a particularly like super well-known artist in in like no. in like the mainstream, not uh, for sure. Especially probably in Poland. Well, you don't know. I mean, this is a this is an interesting uh, accusation, though. So I'm, I, not, I'm not accusing. I I, I hey allegedly. <laughs> no, I'm not accusing this of plagiarism. I am just like. I was so confused because I was so sure I'd heard this exact song before. Right. I know it's somewhere in my brain is the song that this reminds me of. And I think it's Man-Made Object, but I can't... I think there's another song that is more like this. Because Man-Made Object also 
is very inspired by um, Greg Fillingganis. I don't know how to pronounce that it. That sounds Jane's incredible oh, artist. Like, excellent stuff. Excellent yes. stuff. Uh, stuff like this makes me feel conflicted. Mm-hmm. Because I like it when it's not done by, you know, the straights. Yeah, uh, there is there the is a very the... straight vibe. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's oh, got... it's it's all like men in white turtlenecks and and and, it's, and, and then it's, sexy it's like women sexy pink women wearing crop tops under uh, a suit jacket. And I'm just like mm, too much straightness. Also, I, there is something the very start... straight about it, but there is the bisexual lighting. So you're like. Don't man. This is this is appropriation. <laughs> yeah, you're appropriating it. But also, like the men, there's moments that they dance energetically, and that's fun. But at the start, they're just like walking slowly. You gotta, and it you gotta makes strut. Me, like, you gotta you're walk not... in. Yeah. This is the man version of move your fucking face. Don't try to look tough. You're on Eurovision. Yeah, but it's the same thing with the sunglasses, though. It's like, it's fine, you don't have to look cool, you can take them off. You actually, specifically, do not look cool with you, these yeah, sunglasses. You, don't look, cool, you look like a fucking nerd. And you are unable to connect to an audience because they cannot see your eyes. Making this completely, uh, like, like a very sterile yeah. experience, because I'm just like, I don't know enough about you. Are and- you having fun? I think, or do you I, think I, I, having I do, fun is gay? No, I do genuinely think he's he's having fun, and I know that like you know there's there there was the worry at at the point where he was selected because it was revealed pretty late that Alicia would not be returning uh, from last year, uh, who sang Am- Empires. Right. Yes. 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 Um, so there was a moment when we when when it seemed like choosing. Rafal was a very deliberate move to choose like a, a face for the state broadcaster because mm-hmm. you know you you have someone who is specifically associated with the the state sanctioned broadcasting, which is often a problem in countries where you know there's some some questionable politics, but but the broadcaster is is aligned with the, the state. Yeah. Um, so there was that worry of like, oh, is this is this like the 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 cleanest, uh, non controversial, like least controversial thing Poland could have chosen? Maybe, yeah, maybe because because like I said, he seems like a like a well favored, uh, well known face that's more favored by the state than by the public, kind of. Like this is what. You should like as a fa- in a famous person. Yeah, exactly. This is what you. Um, this but I is think what we, the state, want you to like. Yeah, but I think I think it's turned out that he's that he's not a mouthpiece uh, in that way. Uh, he has he has shown some signs of being cooler than you know Polish politics. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's he's also just a guy. Exactly. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's it's you always have that slight worry where mm. you don't know uh, if that is going to be the case. There's always the risk, uh, and you don't want uh, a lot of nationalism in your Eurovision, which we'll get into with the next song. Oh, God. I, I, I did realize while watching this and thinking about, you know, the Dutch ad for, you know, starting up your yeah, own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, get my ebook. A lot of these people are, like, what? selling ebooks of their business tips. Oh, like buy my yeah 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 buy, buy my, my guide buy my PDF file that is badly written. I don't know. Buy I, my buy my poorly written PDF. 
It's it's literally the same kind of thing as like penis enlargement pills. It's, yeah, it's the same kind of thing that doesn't actually exist. But I I was thinking about that, and then I realized, oh, we haven't done the Netherlands yet. That's right. But we should end with that because that's where we're going. It's our it's our host country. I mean, we're so not to... going. We're, yeah, no, we're not. It's our, it's our host country, but I am gonna I'm gonna leave that for last. We could take a train there. We could. We and we can't. We just it's so heartbreaking. Well, if we're if we're lucky, maybe next year we'll get the chance to go there again. You know, <laughs> <laughs> if they're like really if they're good. Lucky. Uh, but before we go to the Netherlands, I think we should go to North Macedonia. North Macedonia. See, I would have never, I would have never come up with North Macedonia. Yeah, let's actually talk about about all of the uh, other reasons that songs have been um, investigated this year. Investigated so, by whom? Well, as as you've as you've noticed uh, by now, surely Belarus is not participating. Uh, I have noticed that, and don't call me Shirley. Like, we start off the Belarus story uh, with last year's contestants being denounced by that state broadcaster. Uh, they have participated in, in protests, obviously, um, and were branded by the state bro- broadcaster as having no conscience. Jesus! Uh, so they were like, well, we're not going to select them because they have no conscience. Um, which is, um... Yeah, but like, their show- songs fuck. Yeah, that's showing your face immediately. Uh, so instead, as an awful surprise, Belarus selected, um, what can only be described as a propaganda band, uh, with a song called... Propaganda. I'll- with a song called I'll Teach You, uh, which contained very thinly veiled lyrics about walking the line and obeying the order, and all sorts of other, like, dodgy dog whistles oh that... Oh my god. I mean, like, I, I say dog whistles. We could hear them. I mean, our favorite song to have come out of Belarus is also a propaganda song. But that's just, I love Belarus. Yeah, but, like, even the people protesting are doing it because they love Belarus. Because they love, love like, Belarus, Like, I love yeah. Belarus is not necessarily, like... You can sing a song about how much you like their, like your country, but patriotism should not be political, if that makes sense. It sh- patriotism shouldn't be tied to your current government. Right, exactly. I'm yeah. If it I like my country, country, that has not that much to do with my government. So anyway, they weren't they weren't good dog whistles because we could hear them. the this this band had previously released uh, satirical songs with a very pro Lukashenko tone. Oh, um, no. One of which was called "I Hide in the Baltics." Which I found in particularly bad taste. What? Uh, the, a, a reference to uh, Svetlana Tikhanovskaya, who who had to go into exile in Lithuania uh, to hide from the government. Oh my god, this is bleak. Yeah. So at that point, Belarus was still in this to participate. Uh, but obviously the... Uh, uh, the fandom cried out at the EBU in, 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 like, outrage, and so they launched an investigation deeming the song unfit on account of the politics rule. Um, wow! So they allowed Belarus the time to come up with a new song, uh, so it was up in the air for a moment if they, if they were going to do that, but the fandom was, like, on the edge of their seat because it would have still been this same band who, as we said, had established themselves as hateful. But that second song never saw the light of day as it was also deemed unfit. Oh so Belarus God. was disqualified for this year's Eurovision Song Contest. It's been a while since 
a song has been rejected from the contest for the politics rule, right? For the politics rule, um, the only thing that really comes to mind is... We don't want to put is in? Is we don't want to put in, yeah. Which I think they could have maybe gotten away if the contest wasn't being organized in Russia that year. Yeah. That made it very egregious. Uh, speaking of Russia, we obviously saw an internal investigation into Manisha's Russian woman... Uh, after the broadcaster received multiple complaints about her disparaging Russian values. I'm like, fuck you. Like, that's great. However, like I said, the people had voted for her in a televised national selection. So, like, she was was chosen. Still, any complaint must be dealt with. She is the chosen one! They did uh, look into it and decided that nothing was wrong. Go fuck yourselves. So they kept her on. Nice. Then, of course, we had a controversy over El Diablo. (laughs) She made a bunch of and yeah, like Why again, we like I say, fully understand. Gotta say, the Orthodox Church of Cyprus has a point. She did make a bunch of kids sing "I We've Love the heard Devil." Heard the song now so many times that even we are chanting "I love El Diablo." I, it's true. We hate Matahari so much that El Diablo has become like a a good song by contrast. Yes, absolutely. Also, we we are, you know, in a committed relationship, so we have started calling each other Mi amor. Mi amor. <laughs> and it's terrible for our friends and family to hear. And finally, of course, that brings us to North Macedonia's Vasil. As you know, he was already selected last year in 2020 to uh, represent his country with you. Wait, sorry? That's right. The, that's the not, song. Not the you from this year. No, that's the song where they started dancing in the middle of a bar. Oh, the one I hated so, so much. Did you hate it? I don't know. I only have negative rem- memories. Uh, I think... Oh, that was the gay tension video. Yeah, but... Yeah, exactly. Between him and the bartender. Mm-hmm. And then that went nowhere. Um. Yeah, I, I will start off by resolving that plot thread and saying that uh, earlier this month, Vasil came out publicly as gay. Uh, despite, like, already being out to his family and friends for, like, over two decades, it was not, like, a, you know, a known public fact. Um, so he, he came out. I mean, we saw. Right, like, you know, you figured, but, like, I, I, I was not sure if it was... But good for him, ...a big deal at it. all. So, like, now, now that's great, and, uh, we love to see it. Obviously, that's gonna draw some unwanted attention from Dillweeds. Uh, but the biggest source of, of conservative outrage um, was actually over his dual citizenship. Um, Ooh. Bulgaria and North Macedonia are not um, on speaking terms, it seems like. So there was some what? very nationalist outrage over Vasil not being, like, Macedonian enough. Um, and that's, like, the first time I ever heard of, like, Bulgaria and Macedonia yeah, being, yeah. being a struggle. Uh, but now I, I had no idea. I didn't even know they were next to each other. Wait, Strange. is Bulgaria and Macedonia... What's the one where one country has all the beach of the other country? <laughs> no, I think that's uh, Croatia? Croatia? Doesn't Croatia have a long beach line? It's a Hold long on. beach line and then another country quickly, only has like a little bit of beach. Let me quickly it's look so this funny. up. I think it's Croatia and Bosnia. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's that. <laughs> Very good. It's so... It's so terrible. So yeah, forget the fact that... <laughs> like, that... such a long, narrow beach line that you have that the under country that is adjacent to that beach line is not allowed to have, and they only get a little bit of beach. It's... Sorry, our dog is drinking water. 
She does it so loudly. Wow. She's thirsty. Hello, old lady. She's walking into the room. She looks like an old lady. Please. Please, (laughs) ma'am. Now is when you get up. Forget the fact that he had already been selected to be their representative, like, a year and a half ago. So, why why now? now? Well, this video was shot in the National Gallery of Macedonia. Uh, And one of the artworks in the museum, and this is not, I'm not making this up, looked like a sideways Bulgarian flag. And people read that as some sort of subliminal messaging. Never mind that it's just a piece of art that was already just in the National Gallery of uh, of Macedonia. So it's not like they put it there. It's just the fact that they did not remove a piece that could potentially be misconstrued as the Bulgarian flag. I very strange. What the fuck? So so the version that I'm showing you here is in fact a re-edited version no! of the video without any shots of the offending artwork. They were able to recut it together with it not in frame. Oh my god. What the fuck is wrong with people? Are these like Star Wars fans? Like combing through every shot of the new trailer? To find some woman to be mad at. It's like it's like a thing that I genuinely hadn't noticed until like it had happened and someone had to post like screenshots of the video to be like, I think it was this thing here. And we're like, oh, that's a piece of art on the wall. I didn't really pay attention to that. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, um, for some weird reason that did make it like up in the air for a second to like, ooh, is, is this guy Macedonian enough? And I'm like... After two years, after being so, like, disappointed that the contest was not going through, after getting your second chance and, and bringing, a, bringing a different song that is, um, I think, much more representative of, like, who he is and what he, what he is like, to then get, like, such a stupid reason to, like, have, have your, your participation up in the air again. So That's stupid. So stupid. Um, but luckily, North Macedonia is participating, and their representative is Vasil with the song "Here I Stand." Here he stands in Macedonia. <laughs> they all try to break us, not knowing it's what makes us. This is how we found our way. This is how we found our way. Oh my God. <laughs> he wasn't going to do a death drop. Oh my god! He should have done a death drop. So, last year, I remember now, he sent a song that sucked and was also like a... Just a dance song? We were like, why send this to yes. Eurovision? Why send this to Eurovision? You can't be like so passionate about this song that you want this at Eurovision. Exactly. Yeah. This song also sucks. No. You're wrong, but like... But it sucks in the best way. You're completely wrong. This is great, but... No, I am 100% right. It sucks in the best way. I 100% understand why he feels so passionate about about this, that he wants to send it to Eurovision. Yeah. He's so painfully earnest. 
It's and so good. It's great. It's it's the fact that it's so earnest that to me makes this makes this fantastic. Um, disagree. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yes, it is the fact that it's so earnest that makes it good. I'm just saying, like, I love that. I just love that about it. That's that's all yeah. I'm saying, right? Like, like, he's openly weeping. Oh yeah, he's not hiding it. No, it's so wild. This is this is what you want in a Eurovision. This is this is a, like a musical theater styled ballad. It, like it's built like a theater song. It's got the like. It starts off one way and then he repeats that line at the end and you can tell like there's been growth and it's a it's very like it gets better, right? Yeah. But in a way where I'm like, I know what you're telling me and I believe that. It's not like it's, hey child, why are you hiding why are you hiding from the light? That's an instant skip for That's me. That's like oops. Like uh, even oops, on I no skip it. run, I have to force myself through that. Well, I mean the problem with, with Amen is that like I think genuinely like the second or third time she goes into the hallelujah, it does like it's musically really impressive and her voice is great. Um, but it's just so hateful. Uh, whereas this is also like, oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be bullied. Makes you strong. You're gonna there there are gonna be people who try to break you, whether they be uh, extreme nationalists or whether they be homophobes or or conservative of any degree. There are gonna be people who are gonna try to find something to hate you for, mm. and that is not what makes you like. That's the part where I'm like, no, I never like that message. You don't need abuse to become who you are. However, I also understand that feeling though of like being called into question only reinforce only should reinforce who you are. Being like the target of any sort of harassment can help you stand stronger in your truth if you are able to be defiant. And it's not necessarily a bad message when I hear it like this, because he recalls the abuse at the start, wants wants to hug like himself as a child, right? Mm -hmm. And then at the end is like, there's times when I think back to that, and now all I do is smile because... I have become the person that I am. It's a very... Because I'm a, proud of who I am It's a now. very proud experience. And you can just tell way more than last year when it was like, yeah, very dancey and not re didn't really make much of an impact. For me, I'm like, you know what? Even if this maybe doesn't do much in the contest itself, right? You are so confident out and proud, literally, here I stand on the stage. I, I admire that a lot. Like this, Oh, absolutely. That is great. And just, like, as an artist, it's just, I find this really joyful and, and nice to see. And it also does genuinely get better on repeat listens. <laughs> Probably! Because uh, you, you get to see it as, like, a musical theater song, and it's like, yeah, no, this is, this is great. Um... But I mean, it's it's also it's high camp. You know, I love a high camp. I, I I mean, I love this. Right. But I'm this the song to me doesn't connect. Maybe on a repeat listen because now I'm too busy just like looking at him. It's just the so... power chord at the end like blew me away. I mean, what a what a vocal performance that, though. No, I I do wanna. Admit the that, prolonged like, notes throughout. His voice is amazing. Why did he send the song he sent last yes, year? Why did Why did he do that? Why did he not come at us with a ballad right away? Why did he his not? His voice is beautiful. 
successful. It's like if you were able to do this, you should have done it. You should have done this. Obviously. Uh, the, the little intro where he was like, I just sat at my piano and <laughs> his, I sang... His clinker. <laughs> his clinker. And I started singing Edelweiss from Edelweiss. The Sound of Music. Edelweiss. When I it, it's just Edelweiss, the yeah, start. Yeah, but it's, it's only three notes, so it's not plagiarism yet. <laughs> you remember that episode of Malcolm in the Middle, where Malcolm decides he wants to be, like, a, a songwriter? I do not, and but he, that sounds great. And he spends, like, a week locked in his room with his yeah. little keyboard, and he comes out, and he sits his family down. He's like, I, I wrote a song. And I feel like I really poured my heart into this. And he so earnestly starts playing the Meow Mix ad song. Meow, 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 But like slow and very, very soulful. There's this YouTube comedian that's done the same bit of like when you can't write an original song. And he's just playing like a character who's trying to improvise music. But someone else is always like, that's a song that already exists. Plays fast songs slowly, and then the other characters like speed it up a little bit. Yeah, that's just that song. Oh, I think I know who you're talking about. Very uh, good. It's it's YouTuber. funny. It's it's very cute, and like that's a funny premise of like I did not notice that I wrote a song that already just exists. Yeah, um, yeah. That's that. I think that's always delightful. And I, I mean, I, I'll tell you, I hadn't noticed. Like, oh yeah, that's Edelweiss. But with the fact that it's so musical theater, uh, the and fact then that he's it's like crying as he sounds singing like it. another like another musical theater song. Yeah. The fact that he's crying as he's singing it, like Captain Von Trapp, like and singing like, it as he's... specifically also is it. it it's interesting now because it is. It is good patriotism. It, yeah, exactly. That's what Edelweiss we were saying. Edelweiss is, is good patriotism because it's patriotism in the face of fascism. Exactly. It's it's patriotism at the risk of your country being annexed and lost and and like forced to take on the fascist flag, right? So it's it's like that's an example of patriotism being exactly. Uh, We're connecting all the dots. Wow. Uh, This must be what you listen to the podcast for. I mean, this is what I watch Eurovision for. The layers of this, right? The the fact that you can make like a little connection. Um, And like, yeah, you want... You want something that is not just, like, coded queer or something that, like, you know, the, the, the Yas Queen gays are gonna like. You want something that is explicitly, like, about a queer experience in there. Yeah, very um, much so. And an, an artist that is now out and proud and is is just perhaps more so than anyone else happy and relieved and delighted to be on that stage and deserves to be happy and relieved to, to get there. Even when like the participation was up in the air for a moment, it's like, no, you're there and I'm happy for you. Like I'm just, I, this, I'm gonna connect this to something else. This makes me very happy for you. I'm gonna connect this to ticks. Okay. In that it's like it can be cringe when someone like has a very personal experience and decides to sing about it but it's not like immediately understood or relatable to whoever is listening and Tix does this in a bad way. I could see some people finding this too earnest and cringing at it 
right? Yeah, I mean, I had that immediate and I get response that. Not, to like, it. I don't think it's that's... like, oh God, you're really putting your heart out there yeah, yeah, in yeah, a yeah. way that is a bit too much. Oh, for sure, and I yeah, I understand that's that that's a lot. But I mean, just look at him. This isn't like oh. I'm uh, I'm struggling with my image and I'm trying to do a new image and it's it, it takes it's all just branding. It's all just like it's Taylor Swift. When, yeah, like, but when it comes to takes, like I am I fully believe that he cares about like mental health, but he doesn't know how to advocate for it properly. Exactly. He's, he's it, it's just not working, but I, I am willing to believe that he has the intent of doing mental health advocacy, he just does not know how to do it, which is, you know, a struggle of its of its own. But like I yeah, like you don't buy that as an earnest song because there is so much artifice to it. Yeah. And this is just I'm crying on stage because I'm gay and I'm like, I love that for you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gay and I'm so happy to be gay and I'm so happy that you all know this and that I get to stand here and tell you that. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You love to see it. Um. You've, yeah. I, I had the immediate cringe reaction because, I mean, I don't think it's that great as a song. Yeah, you, I, I'm going to tell you, 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 have have a week, like... you have a week still to warm to this. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do... So, you know, do some soul searching and realize that this is... Great. We should move on to the next song, but first I'm going to lure our dog out of this room with some treats because she is snoring. It's just because Fazil uh, sang her to sleep with, with his, his beautiful dulcet voice. tones. Although that, that final high note should have woken her up. Well then, let's move on to the last song from this year's Eurovision Song Contest. How bittersweet. I really enjoyed this season of the podcast. And I kind of don't want it to end, but also, I want to watch Eurovision very, very badly. Yeah, everything is drawing to a close, uh, and we're obviously, like, just very happy that that, that we're going to get a Eurovision. Like, I am, I am overjoyed. I, it's been two years. I'm devastated that it's in Rotterdam and we can't Well, yeah, we said, we said that, um... But um, big praise, of course, to to the Netherlands for uh, the way that they've adjusted uh, like their plans, the way that they have been really dedicated to making a a, a corona proof safe event. No, they've done a, a great job. I think it's brilliant. They've taken like the, the the space that would be standing audience and turned that into like the green room. So that all oh. the artists are like there watching. Oh my god, that's gonna be so fun to um, watch. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I hope. I, I don't know how exactly that's gonna look. Um, as, as in, like all of the rehearsal footage has been, just been dark, uh, with no one really sitting there. Obviously, obviously. Um, but I think, I think that's 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 fun. I think that's really great. Um, and then there's there's a limited audience in the in the uh, in the sitting area of the of the arena. So that also just like makes it so that they're at least performing to an audience. Still more people than like attended Eurovision in the 90s, you know, before it became a stadium show. That's true. It used to be a very black tie event like San Remo and and uh it's with a sit down audience. It's really only like It wasn't a party. This millennium uh, that it has become a, a full arena show, which is an interesting change. Um, but the event just it just keeps getting bigger. How even does the, it keep getting bigger? And even the fact that we had to pare it back a, a, a bit now, it still is looking like 
Eurovision. I've been seeing a lot of Americans like tweeting about Eurovision. Like people I like. Yeah, Karen yeah, yeah. Hahn, Justin McElroy, of course, because they had the Montaigne do their music. Yeah, I mean they've always on. they've always been into into Eurovision, but of course the Australian uh, artist Montaigne did the new theme song for My Brother, My Brother and Me, so like they would uh, obviously be in support of her. Um but I feel like every single American I've seen tweeting about it has only listened to Montaigne's song. So I'm like, get the fuck out. Get out. Get out. You're not invited to Eurovision. Yeah, it's less like, don't be excited for Eurovision because, like, one artist is participating. Like, it's good. You can support the artist you like and, and support her because, you know, she can't make it to Rotterdam, uh, which is which is a very Extremely strange, sad. sad experience because, like, everyone else, luckily, has been able to make it. Um, if all goes well, she will be the only person to uh, to have to use their, their live-on-tape backup performance. Which is devastating, honestly. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting to see, like, how that affects the result, right? But I think we should, we should like, leave all of this, this speculation uh, because we have one more song that we haven't listened to left to listen to. And it is, of course... The host country's entry, the Netherlands. What if it's really good? What if it, like, yeah, what if they win two years in a row? Well, not two years in a row, but, you know, I mean, you would know. As with the previous two songs, of course, this one was filmed at a museum. The Van Gogh? No, but there's uh, a lot of good museums Rijks? in the... The Rijksmuseum yeah. is, in fact, the one, yes. Um, which makes sense. It's a big, it's a big, beautiful museum in, in uh, Amsterdam. Rijksmuseum is... Gorgeous. The next museum is gorgeous. So, as last year, they have kept on uh, Jean-Gu McCoy. Uh, last year, he performed Grow, right. which was a very, like, uh, soulful yeah. gospel in, in, uh, gospel at the end uh, about, like, growing up, which which we liked very much. Um, we and did I think like it. It was liked very much. People were like, that's a good post-entry. So, for this one, Jean-Gu wrote a new song, obviously, and it is called Birth of a New Age. Wow, that's a big title. I think I'm not going to say much more about this. I think this this probably stands on its own. The Netherlands, our host country, represented by Jongu McCroy and Birth of a New Age. We are the fruit adorning the legacy of every forgotten revolutionary born in resilience, proud like a I can I can tell you're emotional and so am I every time. Um, yeah, it's you know us being Belgian, Belgo Dutch, and like being familiar with our history of colonialism mm-hmm. and our current culture of a very specific brand of racism. You know, being familiar with uh, Dutch and Flemish African people and. Um, how they're rebuilding a culture and reconnecting with with African culture and bringing that back and resisting the very specific again brand of uh, Belgo Dutch racism. Yeah, I, I will add, of course, uh, heritage in in Suriname, which is uh, South American. 
not African. Uh, yeah, Suriname, of but, course. But, yeah. like, the, the point still stands. Um, Black. Um, y- yeah, exactly. Um, there is, yeah, there's a history of colonialism that we are very intimately familiar with. Um, and that, yeah. is, that, is, that is coming into a lot of scrutiny, uh, has, has done so in the last uh, year, obviously, as a result of, the, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement growing in, in um, yeah. visibility. And the Zwarte uh, Piet is racism movement Yes, has been going on for, for years um, and has, has been, been a big issue with people not getting it. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I dread our biggest, like, children's holiday now, because you know that months in advance you're gonna have to deal with, I mean, and it, it is our, you know, privilege and responsibility as white people to only really have to deal with people being racist at us for those months of the year, like, really bringing out their anti-black racism in yeah. those months of the year against us, and our responsibility then to be like, no, Black Peter is absolutely super racist. I, yeah, so I, like you're right. I think it is your responsibility to to talk back. Um, you do have it's uh, it's, it's God. Like, so I've, many people where I've you're tried just to put like it you're into, like I've tried to put it into words, and I feel like the best way for me to put it in, in how I feel it is that it is a privilege to shut up. But it is your duty to speak up. Yeah, very much. Like, no, it you can't let like that kind of racism go by. It's wild how, as a white person in these countries, you are, especially um, us, because we were in like youth groups yeah. and we had you know the big Sinterklaas event. You are basically like expected to do blackface once a year. Yeah, and it's it's a kind of thing. I mean, blackface is is it's, and people it's its will like issue. exclude yeah. you and like mock you for not wanting to do it or saying that it's like it something you're not comfortable with. People will be like, "What?" Because it's despite it being like a big conversation, there's a lot of people who think it's 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 blown up and not important for for context. Because I don't know if everyone is familiar with this. There's a a character called Black Pete who is the servant helper of uh, St. Nicholas, who gives gifts on December 6th, right? Like, who gives gifts to the children and is accompanied by a helper. Now, there is obviously history there of, of, like, slavery, slave helper, but people have made, like, people in media have tried to make efforts to recontextualize that. Uh, in, in Flanders in the 90s, uh, they did they did, like, television shows about the character of St. Nicholas, where... The story was like, oh, Black Pete is is is, is black is because, black he, because goes, he comes through the chimney. Like in in, in which which makes we don't it, have Santa Claus coming down the chimney. No, Saint Nick is old. Yeah, he doesn't go down the exactly, chimney. His helper goes that's, down the that's chimney, how they, and that's, that, that's why how they he's made black. The, that's how they made the story make sense. Like Saint Nick rides on on rooftops on his horse. But he doesn't go down the chimney because he's got like a big white beard and pristine like clothes because he's, he's a, got the white gloves. He's got white gloves and like a yeah, he's a he's a priest, right? So it, it that 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 kind of makes sense. But then everyone's like, but why aren't Black Pete's clothes black then? Because that's the yeah. part that would And yeah. also like midway through the chimney, he does apply a uh, red lipstick and puts in big gold earrings. earrings and puts on a curly yeah. afro wig. Yeah, no, um like, no, I don't right. think so. So, but like, of course, the reasonable solution to this, because people are like, oh, it's a beloved children's character. We can't get rid of Black Pete. 
hey, guess what? You don't have to. Just take a white person and put them in like soot smudged clothes and put soot all over their face and you can still have black pee. Yeah, no, a, big, a, big, a big problem that, here like, is, is... is the story. Yes. That's following the story perfectly. No notes. It's, it's about the aesthetics not matching up with that story. And that's a very easy adjustment to like make that like doesn't erase the history of racism associated with it that people no. are okay with, but like fixes that. Anyway, that's not what the song is about necessarily. <laughs> no, but it gives you, uh, our listeners, a little bit of a background into... One, just it, one of again, the extremely things. fucking specific brand of Belgian and Dutch racism. One of, one of many things that, like, yeah. And, of course, Belgian racism and Dutch racism, not the same. Yeah, it's the same thing with that character, though, is... Because is, we is, did not colonize the same country. Is Dutch history and Belgian history is different, and Dutch media and Belgian media are separated, even though we speak the same language. So the way that, like, the Dutch do St. Nick... And the way that we do it is not the same. So the, the Dutch Saint Nick is a lot like nicer, right? Our Saint Nick is like a little grumpy. Yeah, but that feels like a very Flemish That's very kind Flemish. of attitude where it's like, no, he's an old man. He can be a little grumpy. He doesn't have to be like the nice, calm. No, no, no. He, it was great during the COVID stern. crisis. Uh, when, well, you know, last year. When, you know, they got him in front of the camera and, like, addressing the children, like, I know it's going really hard right now, but you can send me your questions about COVID and I will answer them. Okay. And it, it was really well done. And, of course, you don't have the actor playing St. Nicholas wearing a face mask because, you know, that, you know, takes away from the image. So the explanation for that was he said, oh, my beard is magical and acts as a face mask. It's really cute. So, you know, white people in these countries and, you know, also people of color in, in this country and other are, are just like, this is such a beloved character, St. Nicholas. And you can't say St. Nicholas is a slave owner or that he's racist well, because is why, like, he the is the epitome to... of good. Yeah, which is why the efforts to recontextualize it as not a servant, but as like a friend or and not a not a person of color, but uh, Just... someone who went down the chimney and has like soot stains, which could also be a black person. Yeah. It but... doesn't have to be a white person painted it was just like this story of the soot stains works, but the aesthetic is still that of like the Minstrelty, old slave. Yeah. So like we have to like align those ideas because you're still doing blackface, even though you're saying that you're not. Even though like the story is, oh, but this isn't supposed to be a black person. It's like, yeah, well, you're still using <laughs> all of these aesthetics. So it still is very racist because it's still a costume. It's it's so gross um, and it's so weird to like grow up and have like finally like a a I in my experience was like a British friend that I had who yeah. who was you know of mixed race came to went to the Netherlands and like wrote to me like. This fucking racist ass bullshit. And I was like, what? Black Pete isn't racist. And she had to go like, no, this is super, super racist. How do you not see it? And then I stopped and thought about it for, you know, longer than five seconds. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's so weird to grow up like that. Right. And I, I want to bring this back a little bit closer to Eurovision because like blackface is something 
that some Eurovision artists have done because of, and I, we don't have this show, but it's very popular. It's 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 like a, a singing contest called Your Face Looks Familiar or Your Face Sounds Familiar, where artists dress up as other artists and perform songs in their style. Oh, watch out! Now, watch it. you will get them doing songs by black artists. And... Not every country has had the conversation about how blackface is not right because not every country has had a colonial history the way that we have. Not every country has the same kind of mix in their population. So that conversation about blackface doesn't really happen in, in Bulgaria, you know? <laughs> yeah. So when when artists who have gone on to Eurovision uh, have participated on that show, like, it'll resurface that you'll like be like, oh, they did blackface here. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's in the culture of that show and that should change. But it's still a big conversation across Europe that is being had at different, like, speeds. And it's very hard. It's, it's At the same time, it's very hard to pull, like, an entire blanket across a continent and say, like, your values should all be aligned right now. Yeah. It should all be correct. Like, yes, everyone takes their own pace at, like, developing a cultural opinion on that. But that is seen in in multiple countries. And you are an ambassador for your country when you go to Eurovision and you are visible. And it's it's uncomfortable. And you get, like, different fans who, who try and defend it too much and different fans who don't understand the nuance to it. And it's a very complicated conversation to have, but it's one that should be, like, looked at. But let's look at this song. This song about We've given the chief enough of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. background. Um, this is a great song. This is fantastic. First of all, this is a fantastic song. It's beautiful. It evokes emotion. Like, really strong emotion. And, you know, the like, Beyonce going into the Louvre, it, yeah. takes, it takes from that a little bit. But it, it is so... Like, Beyonce is an American woman standing in the Lou, French Louvre, which, of course, has a specific connotation to it. I think a this, black person this... standing in the Rex Museum yeah. with just a bunch of women wearing Dutch-made wax print fabrics because that's also the thing, like the stereotype um, African fabrics. Those are all made in the Netherlands. A lot of, yes. Yeah. No, not a lot of. All, all of them, really? Um, I recently read a fantastic, I think, Vice article about how um, black youths are, you know, visiting the, the country of their roots and really going into the textile history there and going back to more black and white uh, fabrics and going back to the more of the traditional fabrics there instead of the like the big colorful prints, colorful prints that is that is that are coming from usually manufactured in the Netherlands that yeah. is usually manufactured in the Netherlands but it is also very much a part of their you know mothers and grandmothers identities that these fabrics are like beautiful. Yeah, no, and, and I, I do mean, like look great. It's aesthetically this is just so It's gorgeous. so right. It 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 you know um, mixes like I think contemporary yes, those identity contemporary with um traditional identity and it, it's just and it, it reminds you of, you know, the culture, uh, the, the colonial history because of... Because it's in the Rijksmuseum. Because it's the Rijksmuseum and you see, like, the, 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 the rich, murals. The riches of the Netherlands of those times also 
all come from the slave trade. Oh, like, like the East Indies uh, drawings of, of maps on, yeah. the, on the walls, very big as they're standing in front of it, like on a balcony, him singing up at the... Oh, it's just <laughs> all of these... Or him singing up at like the, the four mothers, you know, yeah. Gorgeous! It's how, so how well done. Gorgeous, but but like you said, it's so Dutch too. Um, it, yeah, this this is, this is Dutch, and I think I think the Netherlands is good at at has always, from my experience of watching Dutch media, has been good at recognizing how big of a part like Suriname is. Oh yeah, uh, for the for the people who who uh, yeah uh, originate from there. There was a great character in. Um, Ocha, right? Like that children's TV show who was Suriname and like owned a restaurant. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They sang like a really fun song together. I mean, Ocha is a is a child is a children's book uh, turned into a television show about like a young girl and her father who doesn't have uh, papers. papers. Doesn't have. Yeah, is exactly. not like is not, a citizen. Is not a legal citizen, and it's about how. He struggles to get a job, and how they're on the run, and how like legally he's in trouble. Like it's it's quite radical, and it's great. I mean, Annie um, Hirschman was quite radical, but also quite unradical in other ways for her time. Yeah, no, I, I mean, she's she's one of my favorite uh, authors, authors, point blank. But certainly one of my favorite children's authors, and like on par with with Roald Dahl for like timelessness of stories very much yeah to me um yeah and i'm saying i'm saying that this is very dutch um cuz i also want to point out that the first non-white person to represent a country at eurovision was Anneke Krunlo for the netherlands right, way back yeah. in 1964 um and she was born in in what is is currently Indonesia uh, when it was under Japanese occupation and spent the first years of her life in a Japanese internment camp. Whoa! Where she was, uh, where she had the nickname Yoko Chang, which means little sister. Um, and she actually used that as like part of her stage name for a while uh, in her early career in the Netherlands. Oh my god! So, I which didn't is know like this. so interesting. I, I I guess that exoticism was kind of part of. Part of the career, but I I only recently found this out because like the the nineteen sixty four contest is in black and white, and I must confess, someone named Amaka Grunlo, sorry, doesn't register immediately to me as like a non white person. It's a very white sounding name, right? And it's the contest's in black and white. Hi, this is editing Yoon dropping in real quickly to um, clarify what I meant. Uh, I meant to say that there is no video footage of the 1964 Eurovision contest. So the only thing that I'm familiar with is the audio version of Jebet Men Leven. And once again, the name Anneke uh, is a very Dutch name, which, which to me, uh, I, I associated that with a white person. Which shows my bias. But yeah, there's no video footage of her, so I did not realize that uh, Annika Gunmo was, in fact, a person of color. So it just goes to show what I know. Um, yeah, and I mentioned that because she's the first person of color at Eurovision. Um, and then uh, two years later, the first black performer at Eurovision also came from the Netherlands. It was I... Millie Scott with uh, Fernando and Filippo, who also had roots in, in Suriname, like Django here. Um, it's also the first interracial kiss to ever be televised was televised in the Netherlands in Ami M. Schmidt's show. That's right, yeah, show. In, in, um, in 
Yaza Yeah. Hi, it's Editing Jeroen again. I know I feel like I was here just 30 seconds ago. We were actually wrong about this. The clip is from Pension Homeless instead, uh, a show that was broadcast in 1959. Uh, it's, a, it's a really gorgeous clip, and I'll make sure to drop it in the show notes because I think it's worth um, watching for everyone. A very gorgeous song. Uh, and a very gorgeous romantic scene, and it is related to Eurovision because uh, Anya Schmidt, who wrote the lyrics for it, also wrote the lyrics to the very first song to ever be performed at Eurovision. So that holds a very special place in my heart. You know, the the common misconception is that it was uh, Kirk and Uhura in a really good episode of Star Trek. Yeah, and that, then that still happened. That was still a revolutionary television That was the moment. first American one. Um, but in fact, yeah, in fact, in the Netherlands, that was the first, uh, that was the first one. And I believe, cool. I believe that one's more romantic than the one in Star Trek also. In Star Trek, they are forced to do yeah. it so it's for like... like okay, the... you did as, as much as you could get away with, I guess. The Netherlands is so weird in like... Being kind of good at anti-racism, but then also patting themselves on the back too much about sure. it. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And thinking, like, we're not racist. Look at all these non-racist things we've yeah, done. Yeah, sure, yeah. It's easy to be like, well, all of these things are really good. So, like, the, that's the end of that conversation. No, it's not. Like, uh, conversations about racism are ongoing. And, and it raises to me the question, like, what changes about the language that one uses when you discuss a non-white entry, right? Like, when you discuss a non-white performer, does that change how we speak about them? I think it changes... I mean, of course it changes how we speak about them, especially when they make it a a part of their song. I think this changes how we speak about the country where we live and the country right to the north of us. This gives a more accurate reflection of where the Netherlands are now. People, white people who are so into like the the good old days and like going back to the tradition, like, you know, the neo-fascists of our time seem to not see that you know, there has been black culture in Belgian culture, oh, in yeah, yeah, Dutch no, culture exactly. for decades and decades, and that gives such a more accurate story but that's of the, that's what our thing. countries are. Even, and it makes me so here, happy to see even that. Even here in countries where, like, that culture very much exists and there is a large, like, black and non-white population... Even here, people will have the feeling of like, yeah, okay, but they're a minor- they're they're like a minority. There's a very white centric perspective on a lot of things, even in like these countries which do have a diverse population, more diverse than than you would often think. Yeah, and like even if they are a minority, they are still citizens yes. who are influencing our culture sure. and who are a part of of you know the national weave. And I love. Seeing that, you just love to see it. Yeah. Because it's just more accurate. <laughs> like, I, like that to me is, is the biggest part of it. It's just like, you want to see it because it is there. If you don't show it, you're only showing half of... It, yeah, it is more like, patriotic. I like here, um, much, much like here I stand, but in completely different ways... Essentially what this is saying is, like, your existence in itself 
is considered a radical rebellious act. Yeah, very like much. you you being who you are is, is just by itself uh, a statement. I wanted to say something about because when we you know solved music when we said like oh the you is you and the me is me in the. You in this, this is very much a person seeing to an audience of other people. In, the, in the, this one. Yeah. The yeah. you is definitely not the singer. You as an audience member don't think you are taking the perspective of the singer in, in this song. Yeah, but in that sense. But it's also the you also isn't me because I'm a white person. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. This is and not it's, this it's, is this specifically not like addressed to us. It's not addressed to, like, white people because they should not be assumed to be the default audience. And I think that is a, a blind spot I had in my earlier, um, you know, exploration of this. Is like, oh, this is a valuable thing to more, you know, non, non-white people or non, like, marginalized identities. Let's call it Sure, call yeah, it that. You, don't, you don't know exactly how someone perceives it who is specifically more the target audience. However, I st- like, I'm still the fucking target audience because I love it. <laughs> yeah, because like, I think it's a good song. This is but not, I this also is not, think... This is not something for only marginalized people. We shouldn't marginalize it just because it does speak to non-white people. Um, the, the amazing song... Um, I forget the title, but it's Solange, the song that goes like, this shit is for us. Is that FUBU? Yeah, for yeah. us, by us. Yeah. Just, yeah, that's good shit. Because Absolutely. you are automatically, like, excluding people from your song. But, you know, the people you are excluding are still free to enjoy that song. You, They just need to, like, acknowledge that it's not... Written, written for them. It's very, um, it's very Frankenfurter in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I didn't show. make him for I you. I didn't make him for you. It's like, well, don't fucking criticize me. I didn't make it for you. Like, if you don't enjoy it, well, fuck you then. That's your problem. Um, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes I'll be like, yeah, you still have to ca- catch an audience. Uh, for this, for this one, I'm like, you are catching an audience. You are yeah. catching a big audience, even if, like, your traditional Eurovision audience doesn't immediately realize that. I will, um, I, I, I won't and get... And it's a beautiful song. Too. Yes, absolutely. I won't get into it, um, but that, that touches on, like, you know, microaggressions. Uh, there's an excellent piece uh, on ESC Extra, uh, written by Oliver Lewis, that I will put in the uh, recommendations, because I think it's worth reading, and I'll, I'll send it to you afterwards. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, because, you know, obvious, obviously, it's... It's a it's a black song. Uh, it has lyrics in Srana Tongo, which what do they mean? Right, I was gonna ask. Uh, so they're "You uh, no mina afusensi," which means "You haven't broken me. I'm not half a cent." Oh, oh! Like I'm not I'm not a half cent. That's beautiful. You can't make me smaller than a cent, right? Yeah. Like I will I will at the very least always be that. Like it's it's I mean it's a it's a it's a million euros, baby. Like absolutely. Hey, I didn't think we were gonna get there on the last song, but I think we might be going back to Rotterdam it's next like, year. I am. I they. I wouldn't be surprised because also like the aesthetics are so good. You know the staging is gonna be this gorgeous. Like, this could do really well. Host country entries, even when they have been really good, haven't been doing very well. But like they're bringing it though. But it's. I don't think it's impossible. Um, and it's, like I said, it's just very current. 
Uh, it's inspired by like the current mindset. I think it's I think it's really really good. Uh, you have listened to two white people talk about racism yeah, for the past I mean, like half hour, so I'm sorry about that. I hope we did okay. If we said anything that is not cool, and if we ever say anything that isn't cool in this podcast, we want to. We want to know that. We want we, to know. We want to be. Uh, uh, we want to educate ourselves. You know. We hope. And we do always try to come at things from good faith. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But we are white, and this isn't, you know... Yeah, and I, I mean, and that, th that's... Th I want to also make sure that the the voices that speak about Eurovision and the voices that are heard at Eurovision aren't only white voices. Uh, in, in everything, I want, like... Can you hear the non-white voices? Right. And that brings us to, to the next point, is that this is... This is a year of Eurovision that does, at large, celebrate diversity. You love to see it. I think it's about on par with last year. Uh, I mean, the Mamas were three black women, and, and Tusa is a single black performer, so that's cut it down by two. Yeah, and the Mamas had a good song, and Tusa has a bad song. Hey, now. <laughs> that's not his fault. No, not at all. I'm, I'm excited for this. I cannot praise sure. this enough, honestly. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. Props for the Netherlands. Um, it's a, it's it's like obviously just a good move to like represent your diversity when you're hosting the contest. Um, it's smart when they did it last year not to select like like a Dutch white guy to represent the Netherlands. You know, like it wasn't it also the Netherlands that sent the girl wearing the fucking Native American they headdress. Did, they did do that that one year. They did do that, and we do <laughs> they not, did fully do that. We don't really talk about that. That's Sucked. That did suck a lot. It also wasn't a good song. No, it was even. it was terrible. So like, why? <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no saving grace. Nope. Um, and 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 one of the uh, one of the presenters is a black woman, Celia Rombly, who also represented the Netherlands. I mean, the Netherlands has had um, at Eurovision just a lot of like non-white people represent them, um, which you love to see. You do. Um, so it's this is good. Uh, this is really really good. Um, I like that he took his second chance to write a new song that was more explicitly like confrontational, um, but also it's so really joyful. coming back with it's... a bang. Like you, you know that there was no Eurovision last year, so there's gonna be more eyes on Eurovision this year. And then choosing this year to really send a message it's just and like... really talk about the fucking country you live in. Yeah, and to choose. To choose diversity as something, because as a broadcaster, you are putting your country out there, like tourist, like on a tourism basis, and just on like a, a general, like oh, how do you, how do we want to appear? Um, I just think the choices are really good, like ex excellent optics. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Like, like yeah, no, like you have to, you have to recognize that that goes into it. Of course. Um, we did it. We did it. That, we did all that's the songs. all 39 songs in this year's Eurovision Song Contest. Oh my god, it's Eurovision next week. Yeah, I'm gonna give oh you Oh my god! I'm gonna have to give you a little more time to sit in these songs, uh, add these to the playlist, and listen to them all, make your notes, and possibly put them in your definitive order. For which we will be back before uh the semifinals with a quick uh rundown of of predictions or or final feelings uh so keep your eyes and ears peeled for that those were all 39 songs in this year's eurovision song contest and these 
were our final three songs. What are our final three D&D classes? Oh my god! Jesus fucking Christ. I did it this time. I did it. Uh, um, we've already forgotten the first song. There, there oh, falls Neon. The, there falls the ride with the neon lights and the sunglasses. Uh, Warlock. They're all Eldritch Blasts. The neon lights are... Okay, sure. Uh, no. He yeah. wears his sunglasses at night to protect his eyes from the Eldritch Blast. Yeah, he wears his sunglasses at night because he has the dark vision invocation. Second one... Oh, he's got, like, he's got, like, eyes that he has to hide because he's got, like, cat eyes. Ooh. Because he can see in the dark, so he has to hide his he's, eyes not to freak yeah. people out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, second one. Here I stand. I think it's the confidence of a paladin. Of, like, I am the lawful good character... Yeah, that I and think And I've that, had I think that makes a very sense. intense personal, like, not necessarily religious journey, because the paladin doesn't necessarily have to be religious. No, it's just big, big, like, devotion energy. Big devotion yeah. energy to a cause or a feeling or, yeah, paladin. Like, the, the bare fucking stereotype of a paladin. Yeah, no, I think that kind of rules. Um, which I think is a great class. Uh, last one, God. It's a tricky one, right? It's a tricky one. I think I think it also has a very sort of religious experience vibe to it, right? Yeah, like, but like more centered around community than exactly than religion. Yes. So um, is that a druid thing then? Like I could I could honestly also see like paladin, uh, like um. The Oath of the Ancients kind of paladin, like, Ooh. dedicated to beauty and to... I like that. He, he specifically mentions, like, uh, they buried your gods in the song. So I think it is... I could see this being, like, a, like someone who is revitalizing a fate could be a cleric that way, too. I think cleric is, is the most... Yeah, I think I think it's one of those, um, but it's 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 very much like like just a force of of personality recognizing ancestors and reminding us of like things that have been taken away. I mean, away. that brings me to Lorebard also. That's also that's also something because it is it is a very like musical experience that gets a lot of people dancing that like gets gets a big community feeling and a lot of spirit there. So I think yeah, that kind of like a bard that that uh. That tells the stories and gets like yeah. That could also work. It there's a lot of character concepts for that one that I think could be really good, but also are not ours to make. Oh no, none at all. No, 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 so no, no. so that's why I'm like, oh, this is a tricky one because whatever character this is, I couldn't play it. No, but I think uh, uh, John Wu could. So hit us up. If you wanna, what do you do? You want to play D and D with us? If you want to play D and D with us? That would be super rad. <laughs> Uh, and then we can on Thursday. And then we can like reevaluate the colonial undertones of D and D, of which there are a lot. There's a lot there. Many, many, sadly. Unfortunately. But the fun part of D and D is that you write your own story with it. So if if you in your party are dedicated to dismantling that, then you are free to do so. You are able to make a story about that, and because usually your D&D campaign is around your table, you're free to, like, explore that and have that conversation with people who, like, preferably you trust. Um, which is a, just a message for everyone, is surround yourself with people you trust. And play D&D with them. Yeah. It's a good game. 
So with that, we've done all of them. I mean, <gasps> we didn't do the first couple, but like, it's fine. <laughs> uh, that's that's been it for uh, this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time when we'll be doing uh, a rundown of this year's entries. Follow us on Twitter at Eurodivision and tweet at us about the show. Let's have some conversations. Thank you for listening and good night, Europe. Oh, good night.